right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It is Two Guys Ride Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. If you haven't had the opportunity, make sure you check out that mobile experience, year, make, model. Man, you get your part dropped right to your front door, your back door, your shop door, garage door. It's good stuff for sure, man. Now, today it's a little bit different for our podcast because we're doing a podcast series about, you know, just what it is nowadays with the challenge of getting to SEMA. A lot of car builders dream about SEMA. And I know, Bird, for you, SEMA, I got to see that excitement for you uh, a couple times. It was one of those things, man, it's very difficult to describe. Uh, kid in the candy store is underrated, but it really is such a such a moment. I, I remember how excited you were when we rounded the corner and you got to see your, you know, your LSWAP BMW before anybody and everybody was doing that. Uh, all, I mean, dude, it was pinned up in the limelight, profile stance, look, everything about the car was on point. Like, it was just, it was gorgeous. Well, SEMA's, I mean, it's not much different from, you know, the Olympics or anything like that where, you know, you've spent your whole, you know, early life or whatever, years and years trying to get to that level, you know, where you can show up, you know, to the Super Bowl of sorts with your ride uh, and be respected by other people and, and kind of show off. And it's more of just a self-accomplishment of anything else. Now, granted, there's all sorts of different ways to go to SEMA. If you've got your own business where you're building cars, rides, parts, whatever, I mean, that is your business thing and you're showing it off. But, you know, we're a unique kind of players here where uh, we've got day jobs. We've got 10 million other things going on, but we are, (laughs) you know, so 100% focused in the car thing that no matter what we're doing in the daily life, right, you're, you're, uh, you know, morning DJ in Denver, right? I'm working on the OEs, designing engines. Uh, but building cars is never going to stop for us. Um, and a lot of people do it. A lot of people are building stuff, but rarely, rarely do you either a want to put the time and money into it yourself to get to SEMA or B have the combination of willing to put the time and the money and somehow scraping together enough skills to feel like you're playing in the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and playing in a game is is something else when it's at SEMA because SEMA takes everything out of the ordinary context. A car that would win your local, you know, car show would come off, you know, with the best of trophy. 
you know, it's parked down the street, <laughs> you know, in SEMA. It's, uh, it's very, very um, incredible to the level of these car builds and, and to the level of just, just imagination, creativity, um, paint, body, um, just how people put their own personality and persona into a car, how they take what the ordinary or what is viewed from an ordinary lens and turn it into something completely different with a, a full-on different personality and a completely different um, sort of bravado about it. Um, ugly cars get really cool at SEMA. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Sometimes uh, really gorgeous cars get really ugly at SEMA. It's, it's weird. Yeah, that can happen too. Yeah, hopefully not as often. But um, yeah, and if you think about uh, you know who you're playing against, just showing up is a win, right? That, and again, for for personal reasons, that's that's all that matters is that you know you've spent your whole life grinding, sanding, bolting, unbolting, learning different skill sets, acquiring tools over time. Uh, the win is to just go there and feel like you represented yourself and you've accomplished. You know, <laughs> you're, yeah. uh, you know, it's like an addiction, this car thing. It's crazy. Sometimes it's stupid, but uh, it, it's some kind of bringing it all to fruition that um, all these months, days, years that you've spent, some people call it wasted on cars <laughs> in the garage, the money, you you know, how many headers you've bought over the we years. We don't talk about the, the money. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We don't talk about the money. You know, all of that somehow... You know, when you when you can roll something out on, on something like an Autorama or a SEMA floor especially, you feel like it was somehow all worth it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I did it. Uh, but you think about the players. Uh, not only are, you know, the skill sets are there, the chip fooses, you know, we just talked to the Ring Brothers. Uh, you know, these guys are killing it. They're the top, top in the world. But you're also playing against money, right? And it's not, you're a one guy. You know, I'm a one yeah. guy. That's a whole different scenario than, you know, you've got a shop uh, full of guys, girls, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> skill sets, machinery, but you have budgets sometimes that could be a million dollars, right? Yeah. There's no way you and I are playing in that kind of field. <laughs> so the challenge to get to and to represent in a, an arena like that is it's mind-blowingly huge and, and intimidating, you know? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it, it's all for the better for, for me when I got the invite this year. We'll tell you a little bit about my hurdles, but man, Willie's going to SEMA in a way that I never thought I would. The first SEMA, um, I was right behind Mr. Kevin Bird as we entered the complex, and I thought to myself, wow, if there ever was a day I could put a car in here, that would, God, that would be the pinnacle of it all, and this year is, is going to be that year. So excited to share a little bit of that story with you. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're back to it. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. I promise you this, guys. Next time you need a part, just go to their mobile experience. CarParts.com is right there. 
If you know your year, make, and model, they make that experience really easy to navigate, really easy to follow up on, track your part, have it dropped right to your door. It is simply the easiest way to get parts. Go check it out. See for yourself, carparts.com. Um, Kev, man, car parts is the name of the game. Uh, because for me, you know, um, one thing I have found uh, more recently than ever before is like we've talked to a lot of people, getting parts nowadays is really difficult. Like we talked to the Ring Brothers in the series Ramping Up to SEMA, and uh, if they have problems getting parts, you know average people like myself are going to have some issues. Well, and these guys build everything themselves, so you wouldn't think they'd even need <laughs> yeah. to buy parts, but you know, there's always <laughs> something. You know, For them, it's a headlight switch or whatever. Like... Uh, it's crazy. So why don't we why don't we kind of recap a little bit on your bill? Because man, I am okay. so so fired up and excited uh, for you for the car uh, to go to see my man to check it out and to same thing, man. Round that corner with you and see that bad boy just sitting right out there in Hot Rod Alley, right in the main section of SEMA, uh, front and center, yeah. and just to see you get all gooey. I'm probably going to have to uh, bring a bunch of no-dos, some coffee, and, and just scrape you off the floor because I know, man, those last couple weeks, months, especially, again, being a one guy, it's just brutal because yeah. uh, there's a bazillion parts on a car, and it's not building a car. That's easy. Throwing a bunch of parts at a car is easy. Making every single one of those purposeful, meaningful, like show quality how it all comes together man it's a million and a half details it's crazy yeah um uh it, it it truly is and i i started this build years and years ago that's one bonus i guess i've had uh i've slowly been building this as a learning process uh this car started as a you know 1966 dodge charger it's a first gen charger it's a car that most people passed over several times uh for a price of 1500 bucks or 2500 dollars. i know i passed over four five six of them uh growing up because everybody's looking for the second gen charger the mm -hmm. you know the one more commonly referred to as the dukes of hazard body style the ring brothers built their 69 charger we've seen several 68s that have been out in three sema several wide body editions of you know those particular second gen chargers done a number of different ways the the most recent um i believe it's speed core that did the um the fast and furious uh they'll have that at probably a sema with the you know the mid-engine uh mounted up 70 dodge charger really really cool but that particular car the second gen charger gets all the attention uh i love the second gen charger but for for something just different and for something that was out of the ordinary I looked at the first gen charger as as kind of my platform. Well, there's a reason why you don't see first gens. They're ugly. I mean, they're kind of <laughs> awkward. They're kind of dorky looking. They're kind of goofy. You know, like they got some cool things going on. I mean, the fastback on them, you know, was kind of setting uh, the trend in that era, right? There's so many different fastbacks, but you know, that car just wasn't fully developed to perfection from a design standpoint like yeah. the second gen was, right? And so. Who wants to spend a bunch of time and money on one of the first gens? Who wants to bring it? You know, you never see them. I think the one year we're at SEMA, there was an early one, uh, but you never see them. Yeah, last year was the first year I've ever seen one at SEMA in the last nine, ten years that we've been going. Last year was the first represent. It was a 1966 Charger. Mm -hmm. It was painted uh, a really good-looking gold, and it, it had a Hellcat engine in it. Um, but it was 
all in its stock form with a really incredible color on it. And it was presented beautifully, but that car is only as gorgeous as the architect, you know, that, that designed it. That car in stock form lacks a lot of personality, a lot of aggression. And so I looked at that second gen charger and everybody loves it. So my vision was to take what's sexy about the second gen charger and drop it in a first gen. So I wanted to do a wide body kit on it. I wanted to move the rear, you know, the rear hips of the car, the rear quarters out. Um, and it's really interesting what I did. I, I don't know about how you got your your width on your BMW when you did your LS swap, but it was really interesting for me. I I got the car from Washington. I bought it sight unseen. Um, I, I'd seen pictures of it. Uh, and I heard about it, and I, I got it home, and my buddy brought it on my in my enclosed trailer, and I opened the door, and it was so covered in mold and moss, I couldn't tell what color it was. I brought it out, and I pressure washed it, and it was white. I had no idea the car was white. So, <laughs> Talk about a starting point right yeah, there, you know? like Yeah, I, I brought the car in the next day, and I... I literally cut the rear quarters off of it because I knew I wanted to do a wide body. I got some big tires. I tore the rear end out of the car, put it on a lift, and set the tires under it and set the body back down and started moving it. Um, and it was really at that moment I was like, okay, let's just see what I can do. And I'll give you credit where credit is due. A large part of the inspiration behind it was um, I had just partnered up with you on two guys and I wanted to pick up welding as fast as I possibly could. And so for me, that car was a real good learning curve for me and really cut my teeth on how to TIG weld and what not to do and what, you know, how, how, how you got to let it cool down. It's one of the first things I learned is, you know, when I would start heating up patches too quickly and it would, you know, end up turning the metal a wrong direction. So it was really cool learning that on that particular car. Um, but I started moving the rear quarters out an inch at a time, an inch and a half, an inch and three quarter, two inches, and it wasn't until I, I got about three inches that I, you know, I set it down on some tires that I thought were, were adequate. And it's like, that's where I need to be. Um, and it's really cool how I, I kind of moved the metal. I just made vertical cuts in it. And I had a lot of scrap metal. And I just would, would you know, TIG weld up, you know, put a little panel and move that little piece. If you can imagine holding a two-foot-long piece of metal three inches wide, you know, it's pretty malleable. And I would just tack it. Uh, and if I liked where it was, I would tack up another piece to it and formed up a, a buck after a long period of time after I got where I wanted it and went to the other side and copied it. Uh, and, and really, that, that was a long process, as you can imagine, but that's kind of how I got the width of, of what I wanted to do on it. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to go about, uh, you know, figuring out the design. And everything in, in, let's say, design for a car, a lot of it's about uh, just what proportions and and you know, it's hard to see it all in your head. There's a few designers out there that probably can really rotate a full car around and know exactly what they're doing and just put the thing right on paper. But a lot of times you need a bunch of renderings, you know, like, ooh, uh, yeah, let's make this a little lower. Let's change the angle. Yeah. Let's chop it a little bit more, you know? So renderings help. You know, you've seen in the studios for the, you know, the OEs, they're they're doing clay models sometimes or they're doing it in CAD. Uh, but, you know, you went out and did the old school style, right? Which is totally, uh, sometimes that can, it can actually work out better because it's it's real. It's not a cartoon. You know, you can walk around at all the different angles. It's not just a 2D view, maybe a rear view. Like, you can really go out there and just keep moving things until you feel like you got it locked in. 
uh, and then start running. That's kind of what you've done. Yeah. Hey, dude, I worked from the wheel lips up. You know, I got my wheel lips where I wanted them, how far out I wanted the width of the car. Because if you look at a 66 and 7 Charger, they're very vertical. It's like, um, it looks like somebody that skipped leg day every day in the gym. Right. It's a very vertical car. And to put some hips and some movement, a Coke bottle uh, kind of look and feel into that car was really difficult because you got into compound turns. So it was really, um, it was kind of cool just to learn that process and see how other people would do it. But I, I thought it was best served working from the wheel lips upward, and I would just get the cell panel and how it came down to meet that fender. I would address that after I got where I needed the wheel lips and the fenders to, to grow to. So I was, um, I was very patient with that process. I, I bet I spent, honest to God, man, I bet I spent a year just mocking up where I wanted the the rear quarters to land and where I wanted the wheel lifts to land on, on that car and how I wanted it presented. Yeah, you know, like I said, uh, you know, as a one man guy, you got to use whatever, whatever tactic, whatever skill, whatever combination of things you possibly can. Uh, you know, and you spend a year because that's probably some of the most important areas of the car. It really is going to define what that car is because you know, guys at home, look up a '66 Charger. Right, look at a couple pictures of it, and you'd be like, "Ah, eh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's what he's building." No, that's not what he's building. He cut that sucker up in a million pieces and moved it around. So think of something like a Gen Two with a Gen One feel to it. Like, uh, that's that's a incredible amount of work, uh, and it's a lot of vision, right? And it takes time to kind of convince yourself that no, this this is the the shape this is the proportions that i want uh you know to then go and spend the next couple of years <laughs> finishing out the rest of the car and throwing your wallet and your money in the air or down into a hole yeah. <laughs> like all right all right i gotta buy all this 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 and this i gotta have this done uh so yeah man taking your time and getting it just right uh, but you've really changed like fundamentally top to bottom everything about that 66 it is now something completely different it, it to, i have another 66 dodge charger that i i bought basically just to put beside of this car so when you look at them side by side you understand how much was manipulated um on, on this particular car and how much metal was moved around to create what this car looks like today it's really really unique in how the car is shaped it really is what they should have done uh, with that first-gen Charger. Had they done that, God, the Chargers would have been, I believe, the dominant muscle car of the era. It's, it's such an aggressive-looking car, and it's just sitting there static. It's, it's, really, it's really got a cool look to it. And the, the way the grill was cut out, it's got these, like, shark teeth kind of fins to it. And I did that. I had an epiphany one night, a dream, where it had a, a big snout in the, in the bumper of the car. So the next day... I go to the shop and I take my plasma cutter, I draw a stencil out and go, okay, right here. And I cut this enormous throat out in the bumper and I hung it back up on the car right underneath the grill. And I'm like, that's exactly what that needed. Um, now it's the functioning scoop to, to feed and cool the radiator. But it, it's things like that that have inspired me over the last few years with this car. I moved the front fenders out an inch and a half. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I thought the car was missing one thing or a couple things to really 
finish up the look that I needed. And it, I made a big decision. At some point, I'm looking at the car, and I thought the roof line had to go. Uh, and one of the biggest sort of pound-my-head-against-the-wall decisions was was to chop the top of that car because nobody, nobody chops the top on a muscle car. You know, at least they really shouldn't be. Right. Uh, you know? Well, especially a fastback. Like, it's already, you know, yeah. it's already sleek. You know, it's already fast. Um, but, again, if you look at the silhouette of those cars, uh, they just feel a little dorky. You know, yeah. like, uh, and when you were telling me about going to cut it, you know, I, I was going back and forth. I'm like, I think it, I think it needs it. But damn, yeah. that's a lot of work. You know, I think it needs it. But damn, that's a lot. And you just went out and you did it. And once once I saw, you know, where you took it, uh, how, how much did you go down? Was it purely in the back? Did the front stay in the same spot no, or did yeah, it drop? It, no, the front dropped about an inch and three quarter. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what's really interesting. When I decided to, to, to make that cut, I'd found another just um, another 66 Dodge Charger that somebody had stolen, you know, the rear quarters off of and the roof off of, but they still had the A-pillars there. And I was like, ooh. So if I make a mistake, I I still have A-pillars that I could harvest. So I'm looking at the car, and literally the more I looked at the car, I knew I needed to cut the A-pillars because if you're you're thinking about a greater-than sign, it's like a greater-than sign driving down the road, those 66 and 7 Chargers. So how do you get rid of that that misproportion and make it look fluid and and make it look a little a little sexier to fit the rest of the car? Yeah, yeah sleek, fast, you know. The fastback on that is a little misnomer. It it, it just didn't have the right it's slope and angle to it. Proportion, yep. yeah, not at all. And it was really interesting because I cut the A pillars and I decided to take the cut all the way back to the cell panel. Um, like cut it all the way back where the fastback came down and just follow the outside of that body line or the inside of that body line. And when I did, something amazing happened. We, we cut that using a cutting wheel just on our tape line, and the entire body, the roof of that car just goes, ka-chunk, and it just it fell. And I swear to this day, I'll put this on anything, it fell almost exactly where it's tacked up today, where it's welded to today. Just a hundred percent natural. It went kaploop and just I mean almost where it was welded up to to the point. I, I literally w- stepped back and I was like, Good God, that's close. Um and uh I made a couple adjustments on it and looked at it. The more I looked at it, the more I thought it was right. And that's that's kind of where I kept it. So where can people see because uh, I know you've taken a bunch of pictures, you sent me a lot of them. Uh, I haven't got to see it in person yet. Where can somebody that's kind of listening get a heads up on some of the, you know, the build-up pictures? Um, you know, on Instagram, my Instagram is a good resource. It's Willie underscore KBPI. Um, that's K, B as in boy, P as in Paul, I as in ice. It's the radio station I do the morning show for. And also my Facebook page, which is just Willie B on Facebook. I'm always posting pictures up there. I'm getting ready to unfold a, like 50 to 70 pictures just of, um, from what it was to where it is right now because it's coming out of paint in about six, seven days. So I'm, I'm really excited. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. All right, give me a couple minutes for a take a break. Come back. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird and Willie B. It 
It is the Two Guys Ride Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. Now check about online. CarParts.com is easy to navigate. It's intuitive. If you know your year, make, and model, this is the best part. You can get parts dropped right to your door. And their money-back guarantee is unbelievable. It gives you plenty of time to put the part on, check it out, make sure it's right, you know, make sure it's working properly, and boom, you can get it back in their hands and get you something else if it's not. Amen. Amen. All right, so we got a good foundation on what this thing's going to look like. I mean, it is mean. Dude, it's like a fist ready to just punch through the air, just blow anything <laughs> out of the way. Uh, you're rocking some, some serious power under it. Talk about... You know, what you're putting for a power plant, what you got for a chassis under this thing, because uh, it deserves nothing but the best. Yeah, it was um, it, it was tough because, like like Kevin said, you know, when you did your SEMA build as as a one-man show, it's, you know, it's always tough. What are you going to do to stay up with, with what's out there? And that was always a big challenge. So I really got a, a lot of help from Heights and um, a, a guy we've, you know, talked to a couple times. I was really a big fan of Heights just because, a few of my buddies have some of their Pro G Series stuff and their their first gen Camaros, uh, and I tell you, man, those cars can straight get down on a road course or a, a time attack track. I've always been a fan of of that stuff, so I reached out to them, um, and working with them, I uh, I was excited. I I got the independent front suspension, independent rear suspension setups, the Pro G Series, which is their top of the line. You know, if you're gonna road course, that's the stuff from Heights that you're gonna go with. Um, and I was really fortunate because with all the Hellcats out there, um, uh, I got connected up with Mopar and, and found a real good Hellcat um, crate engine setup. Uh, I got a couple of Livernoy products on there. I'm going to be barking around 1,000 horsepower. It's all coming through a, yeah. a, a oh, six-speed, oh. big manual six-speed. I got a man pedal in it, uh, and it really is um, suspension-wise, engine-wise, um, what the car is going to rep, really represent, I feel like it's going to be a really good, just awesome representation of that first-gen Charger uh, that's never been done before. You, you're going to find a real unique car with this build. So tell me about the the Heights front and rear end. So those are sort of front clips, rear clips. Uh, how hard was that to put in? Did you have to jig it up on a table? Uh, did they bolt in? No. So the great thing is about, about Heights, they were really excited to work with me on this car because – at SEMA Heights is releasing their Mopar line of, um, you know, Pro G Series and all these lines. They're going to go with the Challengers and the Cudas first, the E-Bodies. So that's going to be cool. And then they're coming back with B-Bodies after they get some measurements uh, off my car. Um, so I started in that car with a – I used a Raleigh Motorsports K-member, and I removed the torsion bars. And I took uh, some two-inch stock, and I right where the frame rails come up, I float another bar to, to add some rigidity in that with that – Oda Riley Motorsports setup, and then I was able to get the the setup from from Heights. So I basically it's really cool because nothing nothing from the factory can work. It's basically they sent me something for a Camaro, and I just came off the stock frame rails, hung it out in space, and really put it the car where I needed to have the car where I wanted the wheel to set. Changed the the wheelbase a little bit, shortened the wheelbase slightly, um, and really put the car where it needed to be and started from the stock the stock rails and worked my way in towards uh towards the the, the pro g series for the the first gen camaros nice uh and the rear that was pretty pretty straightforward yeah the rear was a little easier to do um although i'm not sure there's still a couple things and as you guys know as we as i get closer to sema 
I'm really, I'm still up in the air about where I'm going to put the exhaust. Um, that's an issue I'm trying to work out right now. Um, that's one of my biggest challenges. Um, it went in there fairly easy. Uh, again, it's it's off the stock frame rails. They had something pretty close. Um, I believe it was, uh, again, that, that same Pro G Series Camaro set up and just mocked it up on the inside rails uh, of that Charger. I believe the the Camaro was somewhere around 49, the Charger somewhere around 50, so it wasn't that bad getting that mocked in. Um, one of the tougher things is getting the, you know, the Hellcat in, um, some of the some of the tunnel work and, and where I, I've got the car just sitting statically. Uh, it's, uh, it's a low, it's, it's kind of low ride and, uh, I, I'm building the car so I could take out and enjoy it on a road course, you know, like you and your BMW, you go out and bang gears on that thing and you go out and actually, you know, this is no joke, you guys. I've seen pictures of witness that that man will drive that BMW of his, a SEMA build on a road course without thinking about it and not be afraid to grab a gear. So, um, this is kind of the same way. I, I really want to be able to drive this car and, and enjoy the power that it's putting down and and you know that's why I got that's why I got a man pedal in it. I, I had to get a clutch in it. That's and, right. Uh, and be able to bang a couple <laughs> gears. You're gonna row some gears, yeah. You're gonna row some gears. That thing's gonna be a killer setup. I mean thousand horsepower. Yeah. Right. Just slammed. A uh, big old tire. What size tires you running? So man, right now I've been working with Fixie as as a a, a guy I met a while back and like everybody we spoke with the ring brothers on, on some of these series the you know the SEMA that we're doing in the podcast and everybody's having a difficult time getting rims wheels um I'll tell you man talk about something that's down to the the wire <laughs> it's this year more so probably than a lot of years before they just got their their slugs in what they're you know casting these wheels out of and cutting these these billet wheels and making these three pieces out of so I'm at the front of the line but it is going to be a mad dash rush just to get rims in. Like, I've got a one-on-one with him tomorrow. Uh, I actually went on their website and used their, their load-up tool where I dropped in the measurements, and he called me. That's how I got him on the whole build. <laughs> uh, so that was a, a great way to do it. But it, he's, you know, he's been good as far as working with me, but I really feel like it's going to be a week and a half before I'm supposed to be at SEMA before I get these wheels. So, Oof. yeah. Wow. That is cutting it close, man. Yeah, man. It is so close on everything like that. Like, he's rushing to get me these things by the end of October. Well, you're going to have yours on jack stands for the first two days, and then your wheels are going to be drop shipped <laughs> to Vegas. You're going to bolt them on. Uh, and then, and the Ring Brothers are going to be over there with no wheels through the whole time. So, at least hey. you're going to have wheels for at least half a SEMA. It's uh, it is a big challenge for all this stuff, man. I uh, it was really cool. I got ahead of the game as far as my my gauge cluster. If anybody's seen that first gen Charger, one thing that's really unique is the architect behind that car was a big fan of surfing. That's why you could flop that rear panel down in between the back seat and the trunk, so you can get a surfboard yeah. in there. Um, and he was a big fan of you know airplanes. So if you look at the gauge cluster. It's really it has a lot of the old characteristics of some old you know fighter planes. So I wanted to keep the look, but I wanted all the modern data because you know I got a thousand fifty eleven hundred horsepower. So uh, I need data logging. I need you know boost pressure. Uh, I need all the data that I can get on on what I'm running. So uh, Classic Instruments, I sent my my cluster off to them, and they recalculated all the you know the gauges and 
reformatted them so it's all new data um, that I can plug in my laptop and get into the system uh, and work through there and, and really get in and, and manipulate everything on a, a car and, and really tells me everything I need to know. And it's all incorporated in their old, the old gauge cluster, which is really unique. And they named the car. They put sick six six in the gauge cluster um so I, I believe that's what we're going with nice that's s-i-c-k six six yes right? yes yep yeah. six sick 66 yeah, I mean, yeah that's gonna exactly look sweet now what are some of the other things that you're sweating over uh right because time is coming uh to a close here pretty fast uh and <laughs> like i said i mean i know I know how many nights, weekends, I was just up, you know, it seemed like 24 hours a day for days, weeks, months. Um, and you got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, so one, just, you know, how much, you know, how much surface area you've got to touch on that car, let alone what's missing out there in the world of, you know, this semi-post-COVID pandemic, you know, of not being able to get things. So what are you sweating bullets over? What's your kind of top one, two, three that you're just whew, holding your breath? Well, you know, everything, honestly, the... Um, everything. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you, you can't get paint right uh, now. You can't get... I'm already feeling your pain ahead of your uh, <laughs> pain, right? Uh, I, I was looking to get Kaching Silver only to be told that it's, you know, it's eight weeks out. Um, so I, I've been working with some some local, you know, PPG guys here locally in the market to create a, you know, a, a similar type silver uh, where we start spraying it with a with a black and then we lay in some of the flake and then some of the colors from the some of the silver on top of it so you get a good flop in the silver whenever it comes around a, a bend in the car. So that's been a challenge. Um, I'm going to read color cards tomorrow. Uh, the accent color. Uh, I've got picked out is going to be a, a brandy wine color. Um, so just getting everything powder coated and identical in those colors is, is tough because everything's so far out. Um, just material, the powder you need to powder coat mm -hmm. things. I'm being told are weeks out. The the slugs need to make my rims uh, just arrived this week. So they'll start production of those uh, here fairly fast. Um, you know, fasteners, glass, um, some electronics, uh, things like that that normally aren't that difficult of a challenge have been an enormous challenge for me. Um, but I'm I'm calling in friends and and resourcing you know everything I can to get the car done. My my goal is to to be there with a turnkey running car, and and I, I probably won't sleep until that that actually is, is going to happen. So you got a contingency plan, like all right, I'm going in running, firing. Okay, I'm going mm. in with. <laughs> without this and without that and mm. and uh if look the first day the first day i fire that thing is the monday sema opens i'm okay but it's gonna fire before before uh those doors open uh and run well, it's so. not unusual to be bolting parts on like <laughs> on the way there and once you get there i got a couple more things in and uh so what are you gonna do with your exhaust so you, you, you still have to figure out routing but it, it's i assume it's got to be a full custom uh exhaust front to rear you got headers well headers fit yeah, yeah, the I've chassis got, as they are, so that's a good start point. Yeah, I've got I've got headers in it. Um, my idea is to try to see if I can do some of the squashed pipe, but still holds that same volume and get it in and around uh, that independent rear suspension. Where it's got some big brackets, they, they make some beefy components. So there's a lot of you know brackets and and support and gussets that we welded up in that car 
to give it some stiffness and rigidity along with some some frame rails we put down for for just stiffening purposes um and then i gusseted under the car and and did kind of an ectoskeleton that i'm i'm gonna skin underneath the entire car so it's um it's really elaborate under there where i'm gonna get this exhaust through I'm kind of still questioning now i may bring it out through um just underneath the there's a flare and i may put it right above that flare on the on the body line um, just in front of the rear tire. That's a possibility if I can't get it through, um, you know, any part of that, that independent rear suspension. So I kind of got an A and B option right now. Um, until the car gets out of paint, I get it back on the chassis, uh, it's a question mark. So that's one of the things that, you know, we're pressed against time and going to try to figure out on the fly. Uh, the interior is, is going to be uh, something I got to contend with. Um, <laughs> I've got a, a pretty funny interior story um, that I'll share with you if you pull me aside one day uh, and you see me out of SEMA. But, you know, there's a lot of these, you know, it takes a village, right? There's a lot of a lot of guys helping me with pain, a lot of people, you know, looking for interior parts, a lot of people, you know, finding a couple uh, pieces of wiring that nobody else can find right now. Uh, and our hopes is to get this thing ready and, you know, in a matter of a couple months, which is <laughs> it's a big task, but I can't wait, man. It's gonna be something unique for sure. Oh yeah, like I said, it's it's the it's the hugest of tasks because uh, there's no there's no recipe. Yeah, you have just done effed up that whole car and thrown the recipe right out the window. Uh, you know, you take a stock car and all, all day long you can just order parts. You know, right? Seeing as if they could come in, but you just order parts and you bolt them on. But once you just go and you know, turn the thing upside down. Nothing fits anymore, right? You're re reorganizing the whole car and where things go, where things are routed. Um, you know, not nothing. Just brake lines. Everything has to be custom done uh, because you've you've moved. You know, the origin here, the baseline, so far that now the whole car just is a cascade of customization. Yeah, what you know? was a unibody car now has the body off in a in a body you know, chassis where you could, you know, spin it and paint it, a rotisserie. Uh, and the chassis of the car is a full-framed car. It's like uh, it's just sitting there. You know, a lot of it is off at powder coating right now. But when it's all built and stuff, it's it's pretty cool to see how it all comes together. But I, I will tell you, there's not, there's not been a representation of a first-gen Charger anywhere close to this one. Uh, one of the unique things I want people to take a look at is, if you look at a grill of a 66 or 7 Dodge Charger, they're really unique. You take that same that same design and put it into that jaw that I created just underneath the bumper of that car. It gives it a real sinister look. I've got a real aggressive chin strap uh, and body moldings that go down the, the, the body line, the rockers of the car that really accentuate uh, some of the design. And the rear tail, the wing of that car, um, I had to rely on a, a shop here that's been building really wicked twisted kind of rat rods and and custom cars for a while a buddy of mine greg gonzalez he he's got give him a little plug he runs a place called g rods and he's got a real twisted mind when it comes to metal work uh a lot like your boy brian and i was like man i put a wing on there but i wasn't really happy with it and you know i think it was the ring brothers when we talked to him at SEMA that said sometimes you'll overthink it and this is what i would tell you is one of the things we've learned sometimes you sincerely overthink it I beat myself up for three months trying to design a, a cool wing and spoiler off the back of that car that would look right for what I was trying to achieve. Uh, and I had four or five different adaptations, 
um, three or four different ways to do it, but none of them settled with me. Uh, and I got Greg's input on it and he's like, well, why don't we just do this and bring it out of here? And all of a sudden things start, start clicking. Uh, and I will say he contributed in that regard, uh, something I think is really cool in the car and I can't wait for people to see the wing is incorporated into the body flow and design, uh, of the original, you know, 66 charger and how it, how it ends and how it caps to that rear cool tail light is something that I want really a lot of people to check out because it's so different and it really makes the, the finished product of the car something sharp, uh, along with that big diffuser on the back of it. So I think you're going to dig it, man. I hope you do. I, I really hope you dig it. You were a big part of the inspiration for it. Oh, without a doubt, man. And I've been following along, you know, every time we see each other, every time you make some progress, you're shooting me pictures, you know, like I'm following this thing since birth. So, you know, <laughs> call me the first babysitter. Uh, you know, this is always going to be like my, my little kid friend, you know, or my little nephew. So uh, hey, with without a doubt. I'll totally give you seat time in it, bro. And I'll give you absolute permission to go hammer the hell out of it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> tear the tires off hell of it, bro. Yeah. You're absolutely welcome to. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm really looking forward to, man, is after all the dust has settled, the thing's been all uh debugged and dekinked and you're out there just ripping and having fun somehow we get both our rides together and just go tear it up somewhere yeah Whether it's through the mountain roads you know road trip uh or on the track together it's that's that's something i'm looking forward to as well man just on the Amen. back end of all this blood sweat and tears <laughs> um if you don't ring you them out. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's gonna be fun uh following along and and i know at some point you're just gonna fall off the map here and and i won't hear anything from you you know i'll, I'll bring the spatula again to scrape you off the ground <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of work getting there so guys um you know follow along with us uh <laughs> follow along on willie's social because uh this is going to be an interesting one and this is down to the wire i i, I don't know you know <laughs> how many people know what a painful road that you are on as a single SEMA builder, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is uh, no team here. You know, there's an occasional buddy that might come over and drink your beer and 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 pick up a tool or something. But uh, the level that you are bringing this as a lone guy, I can relate to. Uh, and there's going to be some hurt in there, but there's going to be some joy uh, on the other end, guaranteed. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Willie underscore K KBPI or uh, just Willie B on Facebook and there's there's a lot of pictures of it, man. I can't wait for you to see it and and uh, check out what we're uh, bringing to the table, man. And more importantly, I can't wait to get you some seat time in it because you're definitely welcome to it. I've told you enough about it. It's about time you drive it. <laughs> uh, all right, don't forget about our show. It airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Uh, it's also streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, me. Um, that is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. <laughs> uh, and don't forget our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and your share your thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, the Two Guys Garage podcast, it's a copyright 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Hey, Bird, I want you to listen carefully, because after SEMA, all right, final day of SEMA, this is the sound I want from me and you. Yeah. I'm just saying, that's me and you. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, take care, man. We'll see you next time. 
Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.